I'm Patrick Sang, Global Citizen Investor. Join me as I talk with global influencers for their insight, wisdom, and how they overcame their own personal challenges. Sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, creating one world together. I'm Patrick Sang, anything is possible. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Anything is Possible. Um, I'm in the beautiful place, penthouse of my friend, Christian Angermeyer. Christian's a good friend, a new friend, but a very close friend because we share a lot of common values. He's an amazing entrepreneur, a great person with a great heart. And today I'm very happy to be here in London with you, Christian. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for the intro. Hopefully I can uh, live up to it. So Christian, I know that you are dipping your toes in many things, probably more things than me. So, you know, no. somebody I, I have to look up to and, and learn from. So let's go straight in and talk about your childhood. Um, obviously you, you've been successful in as an entrepreneur, uh, philanthropist, you know, quasi politician. You're getting involved in a lot of politics stuff uh, as we discussed a lot. Tell us a bit about your childhood. Well, I, I retract the quasi politician <laughs> okay. because I, I don't want to be in politics. I think that would make me deeply unhappy, yeah. but we can talk about yeah. that later. Like, no, I'm coming from uh, actually a very, very normal family which I'm very proud of because I think that gave me an amazing childhood uh, in Bavaria, so the southern part of Germany. Um, I grew up till I was nine in a 90 people village. Um, so very, very shielded, like a lot of other children, like literally playing outside in summer, in winter. Uh, I have amazing parents, they're still together. We have had a great relationship. And then when I was nine, we moved to a town which has 2,000 people, which is 10 minutes away. Uh, so all in all, a very, very shielded, rural, basic in a good meaning childhood in, in Germany. And were you uh, academic or were you like a sporty kid? Uh, I, as a kid I was actually chubby uh, and I was rather, I had different faces, let's say that I had different faces, but like actually I loved learning. Um, so yes, so I would say academic and I really loved learning for the sake of learning, which is a, a tiny bit, I mean partly I have it in my job because as an investor you're looking at so many uh, things, but sometimes I'm missing that that you learn something with no reason than the reason of learning it. Like I, my favorite subject in school was Latin, yeah, which has no real use case. Uh, and I had it for nine years. Uh, I did my major in Latin, and I loved it. I loved history. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I loved learning for the sake of learning. So uh, yes, so academic. So long. so one thing that we share on is is learning. Actually, I, I didn't know this that you just told me, but. Uh, my favorite subject at school is actually Latin. Oh, um, Stephen, our, my our camera guy's uh, school friend, and he knows that we did a lot of Latin. It was actually my favorite subject. I did very, very well. Like you say, it was sort of like not that useful, but I did it for this, you know, for the sake of learning. Yeah, and it's a beautiful language. You learn about history. I'm also always very fascinated to try to find out or sort of find out to to realize how did ancient people think so i think my passion for latin sort of overlapped with my passion for especially ancient history and i think unfortunately even with latin where we still know the language i think a lot has got has been lost in in time because we obviously have like 
sort of the, how we say in English, the high Latin, like not the, the colloquial one they spoke on the street. So, but like, I think a language gives you also insights in how people think and feel and how differently they looked at the world. Absolutely. And my big dream is always to have a time machine, like which uh, is one of the very few things uh, I don't see coming close to in the next uh, 100 years. Going back to that, just to uh, talk about it, like time machine, like what is the era that you would travel back to? Egypt. And if yeah. I have one, if, if I can, hopefully if I, had, if I ever have a time machine, I can do uh, more places. But if I have to pick one, uh, I would go back to ancient Egypt. In those 100, 200 years? Yeah, in this time, like, uh, what did, how did these people think? How did they feel? How, what did they believe? Like, what was life sure. in ancient Egypt? Yeah. Interesting. So Christian, you're also a you know, successful businessman, investor, entrepreneur. How does this whole journey of entrepreneurship start? Um, actually, very like, uh, it was not expected or whatever, because like my, my parents, my mother, when she was still working, was a secretary, my father was an engineer. So um, there was no entrepreneur in our family, neither in the small village uh, where I was growing up. Uh, so my parents always, meaning I really, this is so cliche what I'm saying now, but it really started when I was like six, seven. Like they still have actually the first things, what I did when I learned writing in, in the first school year mm. was writing invoices okay. uh, for anything. Like I was growing plants, I love to garden. Uh, gardening, uh, but I was selling then the gardening product, salad, flowers, whatever, to my parents and neighbors, and I was making like tiny price tags and stuff like this. Yeah, I was literally, it sounds so cliche, like I was selling lemonade on the street, like I was selling chewing gum in school, like I always had a business idea, yeah, since I'm literally six, seven, and uh, then I had my first what I would say sort of semi-professional company when I was 14, mm -hmm. which was kind of sort of the big, and it sounds so simple now, but like of the big entrepreneurial revelation because I was very good in, at school, actually, as I said before, because I, was, I loved learning, so I had extremely good grades. And I, I also think I can communicate well and can, um, so that's why I can also explain well. So I started tutoring. Yeah, um, and then younger kids, younger kids, like or just even the same age because I, but any age from my from my from my high school, and uh, it turned out really well in terms of the, the kids got really better, so I got a great reputation. So I raised my prices, I raised my prices, mm. but at some point I realized like, even if I go on raising prices, meaning there is a price cap what parents are willing to pay, so and it was very expensive, but there is also a limit of physical hours I can do per week because I was still 14 and 15. So I decided to employ other wow. students um, because I had this brand. So the parents wanted to send their children to me. And like in my heydays, I had like five, six other students working for me. And I, I took 50% uh, cut. Yeah. And that was sort of my first entrepreneurial revelation. Oh my God, you can employ people because you have a brand and you can take a cut on them. I was like, wow, this is mind blowing. So the, so the key thing was uh, scalability. Exactly. So, um, and that actually made me good money, uh, meaning again, for a 14, 15 year old, uh, which I all saved uh, and put in the stock market. Uh, so I started investing in stocks, um, uh, like I think it was 16, 15 or 16. And I still remember the first investment I did because it was a total loss. 
because it was a, a turbo warrant uh, on the Hang Seng Index. Why have I picked that back then? And I didn't understand it. So I obviously didn't know that they expire at a certain point. Yeah, and then it expired and I lost all my money. So I paid a, a high price for my lesson learned, but still then came good times and yeah. What's the first takeaway? Is it to, to try new things? Is it to keep trying until you find something that works? Follow your heart and your instincts. Like it's like, it's not that I sat there and was like, okay, how do I get rich or whatever? Like I was like, everything I did was, yeah, it's very hard to say. It was like an instinct. Like it was like, or my passion. Like I wanted to do that. Sure. Yeah, I think you have to do in life what you really, really want to do. So don't pick, I think too many people pick a path because they, they have a goal like becoming rich or, uh, or becoming famous or whatever. But that is, that is tricky. I rather believe like pick what you really, really love to do and then success will follow. I think I, I read something recently. I think the guy's called Simon Waterson. He's the trainer for um, Daniel Craig, James Bond. And he mentioned that you train for performance and aesthetic will come as a byproduct. So I guess, same, I guess the thing same is direction, focus on, yeah. you know, on, on whatever you're doing. I'll give you an example, by the way, because I wanted ahead of time, I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. That's one more, I want to add more things. So do what you want to do, but also think about it. What is really your talent? Mm. Yeah. And so I was acting on, on school stage, whatever, and I had a lot of passion for it, but I, I, I looked at myself and I was like, okay, will I make it in a German soap opera? Most likely, yeah. Would I make it and win an Oscar for my acting talent? Definitely not. Yeah. So no. And then at some point, I was like, I want to do. Uh, what age were you then? Sixteen to eighteen. Okay. Yeah. Like so, my last two, three years of school. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to do something which I a have a passion for, but also that's maybe that point is where I'm really, really good in. Yeah. Because then, obviously, if you have a passion, you want, you have ambition, and you want to be the best in it, ideally. And I realized, okay, I'm not the best in acting. Understand. But, you know, you know life is, uh, there's no barriers, right? So, I think there's still time to... Well, I produce movies, I so I can do cameos. And by the way, actually, my acting time in high school gave me confidence to be on stage or to do this, like, sort of, I have no problem speaking either in an interview like that or going on a stage with some thousand people mm. because I'm like, okay, like there were more awkward moments uh, in high school when I forgot my line or whatever. So it won't be that bad. So it was a good training to be outgoing and yeah. And then obviously you were very successful with um, the pharmaceutical company, which we, you went on to sell. Tell us the story about the Alinum, you know, exit and how you started. One of my core beliefs in life is that things are happening for a reason. Mm. And if you are a good person with an optimistic or positive view on life, then A, things always turn out well, even the things which hurt you at the beginning. And B, um, you, you also, you need to have an open heart and mind to see sort of the opportunities which present or, or which are presenting themselves. So, because like sort of the whole story of Anilam was like, so I was very good in high school. Yeah, um, though it sounds awkward if I say it was exceptionally good, but like well, I have to mention it because like, I got a scholarship because I was one of the best sort of of my, my grade in, in Bavaria. Mm. So that scholarship, when I then went to university, 
uh, to study actually economics, uh, which was hindsight, meaning it was a good choice for me, but like I, I expected something different from economics uh, than because I wanted to be an entrepreneur and it's not what they teach you uh, <laughs> when you study economics. But like sort of, so, so I went to study economics, but because of that scholarship, I had the right and, and the opportunity to get as many other sort of professors of any faculty to work with me, to give me lessons, so I had access. So, so this is how I met the two guys um, who hindsight like with me started uh, Rebo Pharma. So, and I remember that in the first session I met them, um, I'm also always very interested and curious in people. Um, so I was like, hey guys, like I, I was, I remember I was 19 about to turn 20 and I was like, what are you doing when you're not dealing with little Christian? Yeah, and they started because they had a passion. They started to talk about an idea which didn't even have a name. And they explained me what is now known as RNAi technology. And because I was very good in biology as well, so for all the ones who are listening, it pays off. <laughs> it really pays off to be good. No, it, it, one of the messages is it pays off to be good in school or in, in, in learning. Because I was also good in biology, I did at least vaguely understand mm. what they were telling me. Sure. So I didn't understand it in detail because they were like the cracks of biotech and I was a 19 year old, but I did get the concept and that's one of, I think, if I look at myself, one of my other strengths is that I'm very good in getting concepts quickly, maybe not in every detail mm. because the, they were they just inventing it, yeah. but I, I knew where they were going. So practically, literally after they stopped talking, I was like, guys, I think I know what you want to do and if you're able to do that, that will be a multi-billion dollar company. So you should not do that at university, which is, by the way, the hunch normally Germans have, like Germans, uh, and especially back then, this is like yeah, uh, 24 years ago, mm. they don't have an entrepreneurial spirit. I was like, we need to do that in a company. So they looked at me and were like, have you ever done a company? Yeah, and I didn't lie because I was like, hey, yeah, I had this tutoring company, <laughs> meaning it, again, it was a semi company. Um, and they were like, literally, let's do it together. And I was like, yeah, let's do it together. And this is how literally we started uh, Rebo Pharma, which then by way of merger, because we merged it into a SPAC, became what is now known as Al Nylum, and this was my first uh, wealth creation. Sure, and then obviously now you run your own family office where you invest in different things in the apparel. And tell us what your like vision and sort of like the concept of investing in what types of you know, industry and, and projects. So, so, so the overarching thing, because it's mainly my own capital, um, is it's everything which is excites me and I have passion for. Because why not? Yeah, like I think people, I will repeat myself, you shouldn't, nobody should do something in life where you don't have passion for. Um, so, so we obviously, because we started managing external money as well, so we organized it a bit if you go on our website. Yeah, so we have four big uh, themes, four sectors. Uh, obviously biotech, which is the sector I started with, and I'm still very passionate, actually more than ever, because I think we're going into this golden age, um, just starting of biotech. Um, then our second big sector is fintech, insurtech, proptech, so the whole digitalization of finance and uh, crypto. Um, the third pocket, which is very broad, is called future tech, which includes anything from space tech, artificial intelligence, a lot of novel foods, because I'm very passionate about how we eat and, and, and will feed sort of the world. And then the fourth one is a little bit more, so the first three ones, biotech, fintech, crypto, and, and, and future tech are very uh, techy. 
Um, and the fourth one is a little bit more bricks and mortar. It's, it's happiness, experiences, and leisure. So we have our own hotel brand. Uh, we own the largest life entertainment business in Europe. Uh, I produce movies once in a while, so that whole thing. That's, that's the broad thing we're dealing with. So obviously we, we've, we've had numerous like dinners and stuff, talking, I guess, jumping from topic to topic. Um, which I love. Which, uh, you know, interests both of us, and you know, we can talk all night. Um, you know, you know, I, I think we both share an interest of investing, but at the same time, we want to help people where we can. We try not to do things which harms people. I mean, what's your sort of philosophy behind that? Well, why not be a nice person? Like, it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's so counter, there is, it's like, it's not that I sit here and say, oh my God, like I'm, I'm Mother Teresa. But like, first of all, I, I deeply, deeply believe that tech and biotech obviously is inherently good so i have a, i'm a very tech optimistic person because like if i look around yeah meaning and this is actually sad because so many people have the feeling that the world is sort of going down but like mm. factually yeah we improving yes we have setbacks yeah and yes there are bad things in the world but like if you zoom out over the last hundreds and thousands of years we're going in a positive direction sure. and even today there is, and we can also talk about that, there is a lot of, um, of negative aspects of tech, but overall, tech and biotech obviously makes our, make our life better. Biotech, by the way, any single biotech company, so I love investing in biotech, if you succeed, you will help somebody. Maybe with something minor, like you're gonna, I don't know, they maybe have like some skin rash and you can cure it, maybe something major, they have cancer and you can yes. cure it, but every single time a biotech company is succeeding, you help people so yeah. so it's practically business model inherent yeah, yeah. um and then sort of and, and so and so i, I don't want to over stretch that i'm sitting there and again that i'm a super good person like i, I think it's just normal like i, I think it should be normal that we want to help other people like sure. maybe the side point is like i'm very very passionate about mental health and especially mental health about psychedelics and i always we jokingly say it up Pyron, like yeah, if you take psychedelics, they make you to a better human being, you can't be an asshole. Like, so, and hopefully we're not. Like, I think we want to be and we try to strive to be good people, again, because that's what we all should do. Of course. So we, we were, uh, about a month ago, we were in Saint-Tropez uh, at this gala and this new uh, organization called Aurora which uh, I see your polo shirt. Tell us about the polo shirt, the logo, and what Aurora is trying to do. Well, so, so the polo shirt, if this is visible, like is, is actually, is, is Aurora is also about mental health, but the polo shirt, I, on most of my clothes, I have the sort of molecule uh, of psilocybin, which is the active um, ingredient of so-called magic mushrooms, which is sort of the, the compound psilocybin, which gives you the trip, which is ultimately because I do it once or twice a year, but if I, so if, I, if I summarize all my trip experiences to one, it's, it's the single most meaningful uh, and important thing uh, I've ever done. And then in this case, it has a heart around it because ultimately it also, and it sounds so, the thing is like I always say that when I talk about psychedelic experiences, but like, because everything you learn sound either cheesy or then people could say, well, I could have told you that, your mother could have told you that, you could read a Deepak Chopra book, yeah. Uh, but like you experience things 
during a trip on such an existential level that sort of you incorporate, this is why also why they're so healing yeah, for people who have mental health issues, like so you incorporate it in your life and sort of the biggest takeaway is that at the end, and it sounds very cheesy, uh, but it's all about love. It's about loving people in any form from your family to your close friends to your partner. Yeah, um, that is, I think, love and happiness is, is what, what we should strive for for no other reason than I really believe love and happiness are sort of the reason we exist. Going on this point, I think we, we talked about this uh, last time, which was, I think you mentioned that, you know, we're generally optimistic people, we're generally happy people, we want to do fun things, good things. And, you know, I've, I've always been from Asian you know, upbringing, I've been quite, stay away from drugs, psychedelics, all that kind of stuff. And I remember you were mentioning, you've been staying away from this for a long time. Tell us the story and the journey of what made you sort of like turn and now that you're actually a big supporter because there's a lot of the obviously there's a lot of big publication articles out there saying oh yeah, yeah. you know Christian you know tech entrepreneur guy now he's into psychedelics. Yes yeah, so I, so I want to really make and it is really different I want to make the differentiation is that I meaning yes technically the, the, the term drug apply because the term drug is also could be a medical drug sure. yeah but like I really would like to distinguish and say psychedelics are therapeutics they do help people and I'm indeed, I'm very, very against any other drugs, like which we globally, from alcohol to any other stimulants, whatever, because like my, my spiritual view on life is that we all have kind of demons and some mm. people might believe in that literally and some sure. people say, look, this is just a, the darker side mm. of your mm. character or mm. whatever, but we all have weaknesses. And I think, again, and it comes to psychedelics separately because there are sure. no drugs in that concept, yeah, yeah. but I think the drugs, which I believe are, are very negative, they promise people easy ways out mm. of their weaknesses or, or of their pain or whatever, their trauma. But the truth is, if then people fall for cocaine or alcohol or whatever, mm. it's, yeah, it's like a false promise because it's actually making exactly those problems you have or those weaknesses those demons you have you should fight against is actually making them stronger and people then glide into and slide into more and more problems so so i'm personally i'm not like evangelizing yeah meaning people have to maybe experience that themselves but i'm and i'm very lucky because i never touched anything because i always felt blessed that i'm always jokingly say but it's the truth like i'm smart yeah, I'm dumb. Yeah, and I'm pretty happy. So I was like, let's not go there because mm -hmm. it felt wrong. Yes. And I think when I watch other people who fall for negative drugs, yeah, I think it was the right decision. So having said that, psychedelics, again, I wouldn't at all put into that category. These are very neutrally said therapeutics. This is what we are doing medically. So yes. with my company at High, uh, we're developing psychedelics as medical treatments for various mental health issues and spiritually I believe these are how we call it guidance drugs so mm. they 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 show you so much about yourself yeah and about the world and how to live again very cheesily said but how to live a good life and how to be in sync with yourself and with others. So let's move on to talk a bit about your personal sort of experiences and sharing with the audience. What do you think has been the most significant setback in your life? I would say 
uh, many years ago, like till 2012, I had a, so now a Pyron is my single family office, so I'm the sole owner. So I had, um, I had a partnership with some friends and in the moment, so someone we came to the conclusion that it didn't really fit anymore. So for years we worked together really well and shared like, and in the moment it really felt painful because it was like a relationship coming to an mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. But, um, but hindsight, it was sort of the start of something way bigger because that was actually when really sort of my business, whatever, took off. So that's one thing. And then I actually, over the last year, I just, uh, three years, I just came back from holiday, um, sort of, I would say the setback, not economically, because the last years were, were amazing, but I realized uh, I had a holiday, I had a very introspective uh, psychedelic trip that over the last three years, for the reason of almost too much success too quickly, I sort of neglected sort of what I, what I said before, what I think is the most important thing, which is family, close friends, my, my relationship. Yeah, and um, sort of, if I'm very self-critical, I would say I took a turn where if I would have gone that path of like working too much and sort of deprioritizing relationships, then in 10 years, I wouldn't have liked the person I would have become, but I, thanks to psychedelics, sort of, I realized that, and that doesn't mean I want to work. I mean, I also realized that again, it was confirming that the work I'm doing, I love, but like, I need to get a better balance between sort of the work and sort of uh, personal relations. So that was sort of, it's not quite a setback, but it was a realization, yeah, which sort of is a little bit, and it's, it was psychedelics are so powerful. They help you readjusting yeah, yourself so that you really in sync with sort of your entirety of your soul. If you want to, it's very hard. They always like think about it, what, which words to use, but it's very hard to, to use or to talk about psychedelics without um, using religious terms. Two things I want to comment. The first of all is like, I, I would, I always say hindsight and time are great tools for us to look back and see certain things. I think you mentioned very correctly where it might look bad or feel bad at the time, but when you look back, if you take a lesson from it, obviously that's a great thing, yeah. right? But I don't believe in any, you know, wastage of time, energy, passion, over mistakes because it's part of the journey and it's through that journey that you've become who you've become. I think you cannot change the past. It's like if you live in the past, um, you're gonna get, especially if you live in the mistakes of the past, you're gonna get depressive. Yeah, if you live too much in the future, you're gonna get anxiety, sort of, and sort of the here and now, again, it sounds again so cheesy, but like, it, it's, no, but it's where it's right to be, like, and so, but I think it's, so it's important to dissect and say you have, you cannot moan or you cannot have pain about the past because it's the past and you won't change it. Mm. But you can look at, if you want to call it that, mistakes and sort of change it for the future and take, and that's, I think, is, is the most painful and the most powerful, one of the most powerful tools we have is to analyze mistakes and to not break on them, yeah, but to, to, to sort of become better in any sense, better either investing when you make an investment mistake, better in relationships when you made a relationship mistake, yeah. Uh, but trying to sort of use that pain and that mistakes to continuously, because we're not finished, I think we're not we're finished for this life, yeah, when we're dying, like sort of to continuously try to become better in any sense. You need to remind yourself that 
you have to sort of take it in a constructive way and really, really try to think about what can you learn, how can you become a better human being and let not adversities shape you to the worst.